Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to preview the important Pac-12 South matchup between the USC Trojans and the Utah Utes. I'll be at Rice-Eccles Stadium this weekend, seeing the must, seeing all the craziness in Salt Lake City. It's a big game, and we wanted to preview that today with Dan Sorensen. Uh, you can follow him on tw- Twitter at D. Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. He's the publisher of UteZone.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. We got him on the show. We'll talk about. We'll talk to him right now. We're going to have Rafael Esparza a little bit later on the show from Doc Sports Service. Talk about the betting lines in this game and stuff, and then I'll answer some of your questions that you guys have sent in after that. But first, like we said, we want to talk to Dan and preview USC and Utah. He's the best guy around to talk about the Utah Utes. What's up, Dan? How you doing? Doing well. How you doing, Ryan? Kick a plane, just uh, ready. I feel like I've done a lot of interviews already uh, about this game. It's pretty big. Even though it's on Pac-12 Network, it's pretty big. I don't know if you know Bill Riley. I was on with him earlier today from the ESPN 700 station. He seemed really nice, but um, it's a big. there's a lot of hype for this game, I think. There is. Well, it's, you know, Utah-USC, it seems like every year it, it's an important game. And, and, you know, I think that the expectation should be that the Pac-12 South title is going to go through. Well, certainly has gone through L.A. pretty much every single year. But, you know, Utah usually has a say in it. And, you know, they've been the bridesmaids so many times in, in terms of not being able to get over the hump and, and been so close. And, and once again this year, you know, it looks, at least from my standpoint, it looks like it's going to be the, the case as well that whoever wins this game is probably going to win the South. Yeah, and, it, you know, I think I think it's more important for Utah than USC on the surface because USC has a much easier schedule than Utah. Um, you know, I think with, and obviously the extra uh, Pac-12 loss, but even if Utah wins this one, they've had the worst possible schedule you could imagine they still have Oregon they've already played Washington Washington State and Stanford they still got to play Oregon after this so it's uh, it's not an easy road for the Utes it, it is not and that's one of the things that that Utah fans have been watching and I think that there were a lot of Utah fans last week that were cheering hard for for Colorado for that very reason knowing that USC has got an easier path to winning out than the Utes do and so uh, even if Utah does win on Saturday you know they'll have that They'll have the tiebreaker, but they still have to play Oregon. Utah's got to be perfect. There's no margin for error unless USC drops one unexpectedly later in the season. But I just think this Trojan team is too good to do that. That would be very Pac-12 Southie of like Utah to beat USC and then you know some you know lose a close one to Oregon or something, and USC like kind of backs into the Pac-12 South. Yeah, that that would be perfect Pac-12, you know, like just no one like grabbing it. They're not grabbing the brass ring, brass ring. You just back into it. It would be the most Utah thing ever to, <laughs> to beat the Trojans on Saturday, lose by one point in overtime to Oregon, and then you know lose out because USC just rolls through a, a weak schedule. That would be the most Utah thing of all time. The USC when they've won the South before, they've done it where they've swept. I think USC's won. 11 or so straight like Pac-12 South games, I want to say. It's been a while since they've lost a Pac-12 South game. But like Utah could, you know, in theory, sweep the Pac-12 South 
but then go one and three versus the North and not win the the division. Yeah, and frankly, that's what I expect them to do in terms of, you know, I I think that they're going to win out, and I do think that they're going to beat USC uh, on Saturday. Spoiler alert: we can talk about that more sure. in a minute, but <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, just you know, the the, the tough loss to Washington State uh, up in Pullman, and then you know the the loss to Washington early on, and and Oregon coming in, you know, and Oregon's looking tough, and and it's a always a bad matchup for Utah for whatever reason they just don't match up well against the Ducks, with the exception of, of a couple of years ago where they blew them out in Eugene, and so you know I I do think that that's that's the most likely outcome for this Utah football season. And so it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I still think that they're going to need help, you know, and for all I know, you know, Utah fans, when they're looking at the South race, if it plays out the way that I think it will, you know, they're all probably going to become the biggest UCLA plan fans on the planet uh, to see if maybe the, the, the Bruins can figure something out by the end of the year. Because I really, when I look at USC and their schedule, that's the only game that I think that, you know, you, somebody might sneak up on the Trojans. Yeah. Potentially Arizona state, because I've been saying this, they're like, it's like Herm Edwards. They're like a nine and seven uh, uh, NFL team, you know, where they, they they make the playoffs. Like you win some, you lose some. It seems to be that's kind of the way they're rolling. It's like they could potentially beat, you know, just about anybody, but they, you know, they'll lose about it. They, you know, they've been close in their games. It's just they do some weird stuff at the end and they don't win. But um, yeah, that, I mean, that's a long. We we don't know. We're gonna see what happens this weekend. That's what we want to talk about mostly. Um, I. Obviously, it was a tough start. You know, playing Washington and Washington State back to back. Maybe you didn't think that in the beginning of the season, but now realizing how good you know those are two of the three ranked teams in the Pac-12. That was not an easy slate, um, but they've been able. The Utes have been able to turn things around. It, to me, it looks like you know the the defense and special teams were always good, but it's just really the offense that wasn't uh, doing as well. Like, has that been the big turnaround the last couple of weeks? Is it the offense has come around? Is it everything? What, what do you think has been the the reason for the turnaround? It's definitely been the offense, and it's been a weird year for the offense. In fall camp, they looked absolutely fantastic, and then they come out in the first part of the season, and and things looked really shaky for the first you know three games, um, and especially against Washington, they just the offense just could not sustain drives. They moved the football, but they just couldn't sustain drives when it counted. They turned the ball over on downs. I think three or four times in Washington territory, couldn't put points on the board. And it was, it was a really frustrating thing for the Utah fan base to watch. They started to turn things around against Washington state. They scored 21 points in the first half. They scored the uh, field goal on the first drive of the second half. And then things started to kind of sputter out uh, toward the end, just untimely penalties. Uh, they, they had a, a kick return or a punt return for a touchdown that was called back on a pretty dubious block in the back call um, when you looked at it after the fact, but you know, and so they, so they dropped that game, but the offense started to show some identity. They, they started to run the football more. They started to use Tyler Huntley less as a, as a quarterback and more of a, as a, as a, a game manager type. And then they, they went on to Stanford and, and the offense really started to click on the farm. And, and, you know, granted Stanford's defense is not what it was, in previous years this year, but, uh, you know, they, they were able to, to run the ball for 200 yards and, uh, they made some big plays in the passing game. Uh, they, they put up 40 points and then Arizona comes to Salt Lake city last week and the offense was just humming. They scored touchdowns on four of their first five drives and the game was over from that point. And so the fact that they've been able to find an identity, they've been really, um, you know, Zach Moss, the running back, he's kind of taken the team on his shoulders and said, you know, come on, guys, let's go. And and he's played 
extraordinarily well over the especially over the last few weeks and then Tyler Huntley is finally just kind of coming into his own managing the game not trying to do too much and and he's capable of making a big play when the Utes need it and he's been able to do that for the last two and a half weeks or so yeah the uh I mean I from what I've seen and I thought you know this was going to be I picked Utah to win the south and I thought they'd kind of play better uh earlier on um maybe it was the Tyler Huntley factor or whatever uh, I felt if he wasn't going to turn the ball over, uh, that was going to be like a big deal. But t- it just seemed to be, I don't know what it was, but just it wasn't quite clicking. And like you said, now it just seems like it's working better. Uh, it seems like they're in, you know using play action passes more. He's been a, a you know a runner. They'll use the, I, I hate it when teams use the zone read and they, the, the running back, the quarterback's never a threat to run. They seem to be able to do all that stuff and keep defenses uh off balance and what they were able to do uh, up at Stanford, USC scored three points up there for for Utah to go up and on the farm and score forty. It, that was a, that was a, the kind of eye opening game for me. Yeah, well, and a, a lot of the Utah problems on offense early on had to do more do more with the wide receivers than Tyler Huntley. Even I, they had something like fifteen or sixteen drops in the first two games. Um, uh, they, they had several drops against Washington in the first three games. They had eight fumbles and lost seven of them. And so, you know, those types of things, you know, all just drive killers. And so, and especially whenever, whenever they'd make a mistake, it was always on third down or it was always, you know, when they'd get to the, the, the 40 yard line and, and, you know, where they could threaten to score. And so they, they, not only would they make a mistake that would kill a drive, but they would make a mistake that would kill a drive at the most, inopportune time and so they started to clean those up they started to execute the wide receivers for the last two weeks have been uh, absolutely fantastic so after having so many problems with drops they haven't dropped a pass in the last two games that i can recall and and so that's been a big change and they've and frankly they've hung on to the football as well no turnovers against stanford no turnovers against washington state and they just had the one against arizona on a pass late in the first half that didn't amount to anything and so you know if you're if you're only going to turn the ball over one time in three games and especially with the kind of defense that utah has that's going to bode well for whatever your chances are speaking of the the utah defense i know when we talked we did our preview for the uh podcast of champions uh there was some you know concerns replacing like three i believe three of the four starters on the defensive line um what's what have you seen from from what those guys are i mean they're they're getting a lot of sacks now so i don't know who Whoever came in seemed to be doing a pretty good job, but uh, what do you, you know, him and like Chase, those guys and then Chase Hansen, what he's been able to do at a linebacker. What, what have you thought overall of the defense? Uh, defense has been absolutely fantastic. They lead the Pac-12 in yards per game. Uh, they're tied with Washington for the Pac-12 lead in points per game. They're tied with uh, Washington State and Arizona State for the number of sacks with 18. Uh, when you look at the front four, um, Bradley and I has been the primary guy in terms of, of sacks for the Utes. Uh, you know, he was good last year. He had seven last year. He's almost to that point uh, this year. He had a little bit of a slow start the first couple of games, but he's really come alive since Pac-12 play started and has played really well. The defensive tackles for the Utes have been a real revelation. They they basically they lost two seniors from last year, and they, they replaced them with with uh, basically it's a four man rotation, and they consider all four of them co starters. So John. Penicini, Leki Fotu, Pita Tonga, and Hawati Pututau. Uh, so the, the, the Polynesian connection running strong at Utah, of course. Yeah. But but they basically rotate those four in throughout the game. They trust all four of them. They're all four playing at a really high level. And more importantly, because they're all 
being rotated so often that their legs are staying fresh. And that's one of the reasons why Utah is the number two running defense in the entire country right now is that defensive line has just been tough and they eat up blocks and then they allow the linebackers to come in and make the plays. You mentioned Chase Hansen, who uh, I think arguably might be the Pac-12 defensive player of the year this year. He's just been absolutely phenomenal. He just uh, the, the only linebacker I've seen that's played as well as he has this year has been uh, Ben Burkirvan up at Washington. And uh, but you know Chase is a, he's fast, he's smart, he he's got a a knack for making the big play at a big moment, and he's really great at just you know reading what's happening with that defensive line in front of him, and then scraping off of them and, and making the play and making the tackle for the loss. Uh, next to Chase Hansen is, is a linebacker named Cody Barton. He's a senior. He's a guy that was uh, just okay for his first three years at Utah, but really has come alive. Uh, he's just a step behind Chase in terms of his ability and 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 what he's done on the field. Uh, both of them have been absolutely fantastic and it has been a real revelation and of course the Utes have uh, probably their most talented secondary that they've had in the in the Kyle Whittingham era We've got a, a couple of great cornerbacks in Julian Blackman and Jalen Johnson on the outside and then safeties um, excuse me safeties Corian Ballard and Marquise Blair that uh, uh, over the top and both of them are, are Blair especially is a hard hitter and and, and big playmaker and so the, the in the past game the Utes will give up yards but you know it's more of a, a bend don't break. But they make a lot of big plays, and they make a lot of big plays when they count. And, and frankly, a lot of the reason why the Utes are giving up so many yards is just the fact that the, the last few weeks they've been getting up big on teams, and then uh, you know teams are having to throw on them. That and Washington State, you know, they're just gonna they're gonna get their yards through the air. Yeah, they do that for sure. They do that really well. Uh, I think early on, I remember I forget which game it was. I was watching you know, for the podcast of champions. And there was a few like kind of special teams, like errors, I guess, by Utah. And I was kind of surprised. I'm like, Oh, this, this is kind of strange. This usually doesn't happen. I think it was like field goal block. There was a few things kind of early, but it seemed to settle down. Um, I mean, you always think of Utah as probably being the best special teams unit in the conference. You think that's still uh, the same this year and uh, how have they performed in conference play? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. The the first two games, they had a, a fumble on a punt return and a block kick in each of the first, a block field goal in each of, of the first two games that they allowed. And, and just really uncharacteristic for the Utes because when you look at Utah football, you know, historically in the Pac 12, they've been arguably the best special teams unit throughout that entire time. Um, since conference play, they have cleaned things up a lot. Matt Gay has not missed a field goal attempt uh, since conference play started. Um, and he, I think he's only missed three on the year and all of them have been longer than 45 and two of them have been blocked. So, you know, not all his fault, but, um, but Matt Gay is kicking much better th than he was early in the year. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski had the punter who's won, he won the Ray Guy Award two years ago, or not? The, yeah, the Ray Guy. That's the. I always get the the Groza and the guy confused. Well, you know, um, Utah players they win both, so you're you, you know you don't like think of one or the other because they're kind of the same. Yeah, exactly. But he yeah, Wisnowski won the Guy Award two years ago. Was first team All Pac-12 last year. He started out kind of slow. He's punted much better the last three weeks against Arizona. He was absolutely fantastic. He had four kicks. He averaged almost 50 yards a kick. He placed three of the four inside the 20, two of them inside the 10. And of course he had the fake punt run for 33 yards. So, you know, he's a guy that, that Utah, you know, they see their punter as a weapon, as a guy that can flip the field. And, and so, you know, that's a guy that I, I think will play 
uh, big into Saturday's matchup because, you know, Utah, USC, they always play each other so close. And so field possession is going to matter. And so having a punter that's able to flip the field, that's able to maybe even get a first down for you if he sees the right look on the punt return team, you know, that that's something that, that Utah sees as a weapon. And then on the, on, in the return game, the Utes haven't done much at all uh, with returning kicks. In fact, I think they've only returned one kick on the year. They usually just fair catch them or let them go into the end zone and take that that 25 yard line uh, since, you know, Kyle Whittingham likes to play the percentages and just thinks that's a better option for them. The punt return game, uh, Britton Covey is the main punt returner. He's a guy that has the potential to be electric. Uh, he's broken a couple of kicks. He, he had a couple of nice returns against Washington. I think he's only averaging seven or eight yards a return. So he's not got big numbers. He had the one touchdown against Washington state that was called back. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that he's a threat. So if he gets the ball in the right situation, he is a guy that can take it to the house. And, and USC fans may remember him from a couple of years ago when he was a true freshman yeah. before his LDS mission, where he was really the only guy for the heats that was making plays. Yeah, he's been a stud. I, I thought he might come along a little slower, but he seemed like he just hit the ground running for this offense and, uh, you know, trying to replace uh, – why am I blanking on the the great receiver from last year, the transfer from Oregon? Why, uh, who was the great receiver from last year? Uh, <laughs> and now you and now you ask me, and poof, it goes away. <laughs> it's like one of those Darren things. Carrington, Darren Carrington. Nine, I was like, Darren Carrington. So I was like, oh my god, like how did I forget that? I like said his name like a thousand times, uh, but he seemed to come in and just be like a an absolute weapon for uh, for Huntley. Yeah, and he's been great. He's the leading receiver. He's uh, far and away got the most catches. He's got the most yards. It's really rare to see a guy come off of his LDS mission and really just be able to, like you said, hit the ground running. Um, it, it's just it's it's just hard for those guys because they're not doing those physical activities when they're missionaries. And this is a guy that he came back uh, just after spring ball had ended, so he didn't even participate in spring ball, and he just lived in the gym over the summer got his body ready. I still think that there's some things that he needs to do to improve. He needs to get stronger. You know, he's, he's had a couple of fumbles this year just because he's taken giant hits and he has a hard time hanging on the ball uh, when, when he's taken those hits. And so he needs to get a little bit stronger, but he's been, he's by far exceeded expectations in terms of what he's been able to do. He's Huntley's first look in the past game. Um, he, he had, they had, the Utes had a great trick play with him last year. He was, a, he was a high school quarterback and, uh, or not last year, last week, he was a high school quarterback. And, uh, so the, the Utes basically ran a reverse pass where he, you know, took the reverse from Zach Moss and then threw a long touchdown pass to Tyler Huntley. So he's a guy that the Utes are going to try to get the ball in space. They're going to try to, you know, he, because he can make move, he can elude tacklers and they're going to try to use him in a lot of different ways. They'll use him as a quarterback. They'll use him as a running back. They'll use him as a wide receiver. And uh, you know, they'll, they'll try to move him around the field and, and, and give him opportunities. So that's something definitely to watch this week because he's probably Utah's best offensive weapon outside of Zach Moss. Yeah. And then uh, that touchdown pass. Now this was funny when uh, going into the half, the halftime of that game, I think Kyle Whittingham was asked, you know, what do you got to keep doing? It was 28, nothing. I believe at the half Arizona missed like a field goal. And, uh, he was like, step on their throat or put their, you know, it, it was something like finish them, you know, it was, it was something along those lines. And they have, uh, you know, Covey ends up throwing that touchdown pass to Huntley. And then the, in the fourth quarter, I think it was 35 to 10. 
Uh, Wisnowski takes the punt and, and does a fake punt, which I think that's his call, right? It wasn't like a, a planned one, but it right. seemed yeah. like there Whenever was, Wisnowski yeah. does that, it's it's always based on the read, and he just goes with, with what he reads. That was not something that was called from the <laughs> sidelines, although Arizona fans would probably beg to differ and are pretty salty about that. Yeah, what did you think? I mean, I, I was like, yeah, whatever. I thought it was fine, but um, I don't know. Was there any kind of – so I guess there was some blowback from Arizona fans. Oh yeah, they, they weren't happy about that at all, and you know, and and there, there's the tussle on the sideline, and I just chuckled. You know, Mitch, Mitch Wisnowski. First of all, he's giant. He's like six foot four, two forty, and uh, second of all, like he's he is. When you think of an Aussie, you know, he's the epitome of an Aussie of, of the, you know, if, if you walked into central casting and said, you know, get me like an Aussie looking surfer guy, like that's Mitch Wisnowski. So he, he's great. He's a funny guy. And so the fact that he took off running just made me chuckle. He's from Perth, right? So I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like, if you don't know Australia, like there's Australia's like everything's on the East coast. Like Perth is like way up in the like Northwest coast or something. And it's like the most remote city. I believe it's the most remote city on the planet. Like it's like 3000 miles from anything. So it's like between like New York and LA, there'd be like nothing like that's all the way around you. That's all there is. So it's pretty remote. I, I would think you gotta be a pretty tough dude to come out. Of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he is, you know, he, he, he looks like a linebacker. He does not look like a punter, but, uh, but yeah, but so that whole play, that was entirely his call. And it's something that, that he will do at the drop of a hat. He's done it probably five or six times in his Utah career. Basically all he's doing is he's reading what that punt, punt coverage unit's doing. And, and they only do it when they're doing the, the rugby style punt, which he doesn't always do, but if he gets the right read and they're doing the rugby style punt, he will take it every single time without hesitation. The, uh, this is going to be a pretty crazy environment. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, I've never been, this is the only stadium I haven't been to in the PAC 12. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I've had my team like, you know, Keely and shotgun and those guys, they've, they've gone the last couple of years, Dan Weber, but, um, the last couple of time, the trips over the last four years. Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely making this one. So it should be really, uh, it should be interesting for me just to go out there and see it. But what, what can USC fans and the team kind of expect uh, I don't know if it's going to be a blackout because they already had one, I think, for Washington. But what, what can they expect of, for this trip? So it's homecoming, uh, and they're wearing the throwbacks. So uh, the, and the 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 staff that that does the uniforms, they've they've got their game on. They're going to look sharp. Oh yeah, I but, saw the uh, tweets about that. They look pretty cool. They're, yeah, they're, I love those interlocking U helmets. But yeah, I mean USC fans. First of all, when you go, you know, Utah fans are generally one of the nicer fan bases in in the. Uh, in in the Pac-12, if if you go walk around the tailgate lot that's to the uh, to the southeast of the stadium, go find the pig bus. They will treat you like gold. Um, and USC Psycho, I, I know he knows those guys well. He can attest. Uh, but you know, you, you fans will gen- generally treat you pretty well. They'll they're sh- they'll share their food, they'll share their booze, and there is booze in Utah, uh, so <laughs> uh, you know, no Good. worries on that front. Um, in terms of you know, in the stadium and game day atmosphere, it's a smaller stadium than than most. It's about forty seven thousand is what you can expect in the stadium, but it gets really loud. Uh, this is going to be an intense game. Uh, it's it's USC. There is definitely a a palpable hatred of USC with a lot of the Utah fans, which is, I think most USC fans can expect from just about anybody in the PAC 12 at this point. But uh, there's definitely some, some, some envy and some rivalry there from the Utah fan base. And so that, you know, they're going to be amped. They're going to be ready to go. It's going to be loud. Uh, It's the, the fan base is going to be crazy and, and it's, but it should be a good time. You should be treated well. 
and uh, and uh, you know, so it, it's going to be fun. I, I I'm excited for what's going to happen on campus. You know, I, they're going to have a lot of official visitors on. Uh, so, you know, I know that, uh, you know, they're going to roll out the red carpet and try to make things as cool as possible. And, and it should be a great atmosphere and it's, it's the perfect time, you know, what 6 PM kickoff or, or whatever. So, uh, a perfect time where it's not too late and, and you can go out and, and, and enjoy a beer or something after the game. Um, let's see, what do you think is going to happen in this one? I think it's a six and a half point spread. I, I typically don't pick USC to cover spreads. Clay Helton, I think, is one and seven uh, away from home uh, against as a as an underdog. Um, so I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I I wouldn't be picking USC to cover this one either. What do you What do you think about this one? You know, I'm I'm I think it's going to be close, or at least it's going to be close until the end. I, I think that I made a prediction earlier this week where I thought Utah would win by ten, but that the back end of that ten would come very late in the game and things would be down to the wire. Um, I do think the Utes are going to win. I think the Utes are going to win for a couple of reasons. Number one is they're just such a solid running team and they're a power running team. And I know that there are times this year where USC has struggled against the run, and and I know that there's a lot of guys on that Utah USC defense that uh, are either banged up or are going to be out. And so I think Utah is going to want to control the ball on offense and they're going to want to try to sustain drives and pound the pound the ball. And so and I think they're going to be able to do that. And, and this Utah defense is just really good. I do think JT Daniels is going to get his plays. I think he's got a great shot of getting 300 yards, especially if they decide to you know check the ball 40 to 50 times, uh, depending on how well they're able to run it or what happens. But uh, and, and, and this Utah defense has given up some big plays in the secondary. And so they're going to be there. And there's so many great athletes uh, for USC that, you know, you would expect them to do that. But at the, at the same time, when things get close to the red zone, this Utah is that's when this Utah defense shines. Uh, I think points are going to be at a premium. They'll probably be at a premium for both teams. I, if I had to pick a score, I'd probably guess either 24, 17 or 27, 17 or, you know, 24, 20, something in that range. But, you know, I do think, that the Utes are going to be able to pull it out, uh, you know, and then, like we discussed, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that Pac-12 South race is over because there's still a lot of football to play after that. But, but it, it, either way, these two teams, every single time they play, they 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 play physically. It's it's always a hard hitting game. It's always a close game. It's always an evenly matched game, and it's usually a really fun game to watch if you love football. And I'm expecting exactly that this year. Yeah, me too. So we'll we'll see. Should be fun. I'm really looking forward to this trip. And I love that it seems like the 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 airport and downtown and the stadium, they're all within like, you know, eight miles of each other. So I mean, so it seems all pretty close, right? It's not too uh, spread out or anything. Yeah, you can drive from the airport to the stadium in less than 20 minutes, you know, okay. assuming nobody's crashed into one another in front of you. So, yeah, it's it's all kind of small. It's all kind of compact. Um, you know, you, you gave my Twitter uh, handle. You know, if there are USC fans that want restaurant recommendations or things to do recommendations, hit me up on Twitter. I'm more than happy to point you in in the right direction to make sure that you can, you can get a drink or you can get some good food and, and enjoy your stay in, in Salt Lake city, because it's, it's a great city. Um, it's a great atmosphere for people, for your fan base that hasn't made the trip. You know, it's something that you should, you should plan on because it, it's just, it, it's one of the better venues in, in, in the PAC 12, especially in, you know, the stadiums nestled in the mountains and um, you'll have a good time. Yeah. That's funny. My uh, recruiting writer, Gerard Martinez drove with his family. His sister moved to, 
bum squash, Iowa, like way in the middle of nowhere. But they took an RV and they drove cross country. And he was like, I guess he hadn't been to Utah before. He's like, I had, to, had no idea how beautiful this was. And there was, you know, kind of snow when it was last week or whatever. There was like snow and stuff coming through or, you know, in the mountains at least. So he was like really impressed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great place. And, and, and LA is awesome too. It's, it's, it's my, LA is my favorite PAC 12 road trip. It always is. I just, it's uh, cause I love the, you know, it, there are some things to not love about LA, but there are a lot of things to love about LA and I love going down there. But you know, if, if you've not made the trip before, it's, it's definitely something that should be on your list. You'll be treated well and you know, it'll be, it'll be fun football either way. And, and there are some great places to eat up here. And, and like I said, if, if people are curious, I'm more than happy to point them in the right direction. That's great. Thanks for the, the offer there, Dan. Uh, yeah, I've been to Provo. I've been to, uh, when USC played, BYU, like God, I think there was early two thousands or something, but I, yeah. So I'm looking forward to this. Should be fun. Rice Eccles. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. It should, it could be a doozy and it's on the PAC 12 network. Like how crazy is that? This one's on the PAC 12 network. Yeah. Well, and I, I blame Washington and Washington state for that one, but, uh, you know, <laughs> well, well, I guess we'll take what we can get. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, they're, they're promoting. They're probably promoting the crap out of this on the PAC 12 network. So, all right, Dan Sorensen, UteZone.com. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your thoughts on the game. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that's Dan. Uh, this is Ryan. And we'll be back in a minute talking with uh, Rafael Esparza about the, the betting lines for this game. You know, ever since I started the Peristyle podcast, people have been asking me for betting advice. Are the Trojans going to cover the spread? Truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. You can lay down some cash and win big today. That's why I'm urging you to go make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. They have in-game, live betting, and the most rewarding player perks in the business and all you fantasy gurus out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So if you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code PARASTYLE to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code PARASTYLE when creating an account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, as promised, we have Rafael Esparza back on the line. He's with Doc's Sports Service. He's also an odds maker consultant for mybookie.ag. Follow him on Twitter at VSI Doc Sports. Rafael, how are you doing, man? Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Getting ready to uh, fly out to Utah. Apparently, it was pretty cold there earlier, but it's uh, it's going to be like 60 this weekend, so it shouldn't be too bad. It was If you saw that Denver... Rams game there was snowing and stuff so I think Utah had some snow too but it shouldn't be too bad this weekend no I'm seeing uh, partly got cloudy weather it's supposed to be a little bit warm like in the mid 60s in the afternoon in Utah I was uh, hoping for some little uh some kind of a weather because uh well we'll get to reason why I was looking for some kind of weather but I mean hey at least you're flying to Utah with some good spirits because uh you will see covered last week. Hell didn't even freeze over. So it was a good week for you last week. <laughs> they covered two weeks in a row. Um, so I'm still not convinced because the Arizona cover, well, they covered their bye week, but the Arizona cover was the missed extra point. But they, you know, it was a significant cover for Colorado, even though they let them back in the game a little bit. They were dominating that game. So didn't I didn't necessarily see it going that way, but the, the way the defense shut down Colorado's offense. Um, you know, everyone said that Colorado hadn't played anybody 
USC sort of made it look like Colorado hadn't played anybody because the defense just shut them down. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, the first quarter, I was a little bit, I'm like, uh-oh, I mean, it was 0-0. I thought Colorado came out with a little, with some spunk and like, hey, to me, in the first quarter, the Colorado was showing me, hey, we do belong here. We do belong being undefeated. We're going to hang around. So I was a little nervous, but then right when USC punched them uh, and, and them out to score, or, or, or I'm sorry, to come back and tie it because Colorado scored first, uh, then I was like, okay, now let's see what's going to happen. And then I think after that, I think the gloves just came off, and uh, I, I like the way USC's defense uh, uh, played. I mean, holding them to only, uh, I shouldn't say only, to 265 yards, but, I mean, Colorado was running the ball left and right, team after team. So I really like the way uh, USC's rush defense, especially in the second half where they pretty much shut them down. Uh, it, was, it was a really good win, I think. And the bye week, I think, like I told you last week, I got the bye week was really helpful for USC because you were coming off a bye week with some wins. It was be totally different if you were going into a bye week with a loss. Yeah, so they they built the, at least the defense built on that. The uh, the offense had one good quarter. They that second quarter was really good. They scored twenty one points, but besides that, eh, not so much. Um, but that was enough to to get the win over Colorado. I don't think Rafael that sort of effort is going to get it done going to Utah. Maybe talk about the the line in that game, which USC is going to be a road dog, um, and then you know what your kind of thoughts are on that game. I totally agree with you. Granted, you're the USC fans who listened to me last week and, and we got the win and the cover were probably like, hey, this guy's great. We love Raphael. Uh, this week is another story because uh, I, I like Utah in this spot. I think it's just the way Utah plays defense at home. And if Daniels can throw two picks coming off a bye week against the Colorado uh, defense, what's he going to do to a Utah defense that came that held 10 points to Arizona last week? And this Utah offense, where did this come from? They scored 82 points. In two games, uh, 40 against Stanford, which I think that has to be one of the biggest uh, lopsided wins in the Pac-12 this year. Not saying that Utah stinks or not saying that Stanford's overrated, but giving up. But that was at Stanford, scoring 40-plus points on the road against Stanford. I thought that was the biggest, I think for me, uh, biggest win that I could see Utah doing. I think the, the momentum that Utah comes in here, laying less than a touchdown, six, six and a half. We have six and a half right now at my boogie, but there's some sixes hopping up. I'm glad it's a late game, so I'm hoping some USC money comes in because I really like Utah in this, but I just think the way Utah comes in after back-to-back losses to Washington and Washington State, uh, flexing their muscles all over Stanford, winning as a road underdog, and then dominating last weekend against Arizona. I, I think the Utah use at home, uh, it could could really see uh, give USC, especially the QB Dan, uh, Daniel, some trouble. You know the this is mo- there's motivation for Utah. Utah has the roughest Pac-12 schedule because they yes. in the North they miss the two horrible teams, Cal and Oregon State. So they have to play Washington, Washington State, Stanford, and Oregon. So that's ridiculous already. Um, so I think they still have to play Oregon. You know they they lost to Washington, Washington State. They beat Stanford. They still have to play Oregon. So, like, they could even sweep the Pac-12 South and not win the division because of their horrible, rough uh, Pac-12 North schedule. So, to me, this one's more important to Utah. Utah, USC could lose this game and still win the South. Their schedule's a lot easier. I don't know if that, like, that motivation factors into this number at all. And then the other thing would be the Porter Gustin being out, like, the leader of the defense. I know if it's not a quarterback, yes. you're not changing the number that much, but how do those two factors come into the how you look at this game and how the line would be? 
I mean, it, it won't be significant line movement. I mean, we, we put that into uh, consideration when we made this number. I mean, we were going to post anywhere between five and six, no matter what happened on any of the outcomes last weekend. But six and a half just tells us, A, Utah's at home. B, we we understand what Utah's had to go through schedule-wise. And, and what UFC has showed us on the road, I mean, they're getting dominated by Texas, and now you're coming in shorthanded. On defense with a team, like I said, who scored back-to-back 40-plus points, uh, a big a big game for Utah because, like I said, their their schedule doesn't get any easier because they still have to play the Ducks. So this, I hate to use the word must win, but if you're Utah, I mean, if you're Utah, a everyone in the Pac-12 loves to beat USC. I mean, that's like everyone's circle on the schedule. If we have to play USC, and the last time USC came to Utah, they lost 31-27 two years ago. So Utah has had success. And Utah was only a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game, so they covered. I see back-to-back covers and would not shock me if this game also goes over. All right. Rafael Esparza doing a great job breaking out, bringing the game down as far as the – what do the odds makers look at something like this? So can USC cover three weeks in a row? That would be unprecedented. I don't think so either. We'll see uh, what happens. It's one of, those, one of those games where if USC's talent comes out and just plays well, then they'll cover. But if not – uh, I think Utah does, but Raphael appreciate it again. Follow him on Twitter at VSI doc sports. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And enjoy the game at Utah. All right. Take care. All right. We're going to uh, do a few questions here before I wrap up the preview show. I liked if there's some leftover questions and stuff. Um, I wanted to make sure uh, we got to, to most of them before we head into the weekend's game. Um, Don wrote in, uh, so he wanted to know about Toa Lobandon. How many bad snaps did he make? How many not so good snaps did he make? Uh, Don, I haven't counted all those. He actually wanted this for shotgun, but um, it's, you know, we talked to Clay Helton about it a little bit and his goal is to, you know, you want it between like the belt buckle and your shoulders. Uh, they would rather have them low than high. If they're high, they're over your head. If they're low, at least you have a shot to knock them down. And they've mostly been low. The missed ones have been low. I don't think, Talking to the coaches, they're not telling us, um, I guess we'd say exactly how they feel because he's not throwing Toa under the bus. I don't, they're not considering making any sort of uh, changes uh, with him. Um, I know you, wrote, Don also wrote in about, you know, he's improved uh, from before. And, you know, he did look good from the beginning of fall camp to what you know, he was injured a little bit. Uh, I think he's improved from fall camp to the games, but the last couple of games, there've been some errant snaps. And I think Dan Weber makes a great point where uh, it really just hurts JT Daniels as far as getting into the play quicker. So it's, yeah, if it's a catchable ball that's at your knees, it's not ideal, but you can still get the playoff. The problem is now he's looking away from the defense. He's looking away from the the action on the field to to try to pick up a snap that's not really where he wants it to be. So that's a bit of an issue, and I think it just hurts the offense in general. But I don't think anything's going to change with that. Um, He wanted to know if Toe would be better as a guard. Um, You know, I thought he played pretty well at left tackle. Um, You know, he's the center now, though. So, I, you know, that'll be – that's going to – if Toe Lovano's going to play somewhere else, it's going to be in the NFL. I don't think you're going to see anything – from this coaching staff moving him. I don't, I don't care what he does. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen at this point. Um, you know, maybe if he's just like launching snaps over JT Daniels head time after time, they would do something. But if they're just like some bad snaps, every game don't expect a change. It would have to be some catastrophic 
uh, what was it? Steve Sachs. I couldn't throw the ball to first base or something like that. Uh, that's probably what it have to be. Steven Sato wrote in. He said, is the Pac-12 doing anything to reduce having long and late games? I attended the Colorado game and noticed that every break included a 30 second, uh, including the 30 second timeouts were incredibly long. We left the game at 11 p.m. with plenty of time on the clock. Is the coaching, uh, is the coaching doing about the lack of, uh, I'm not sure what he's saying there. Is the coaching doing about the lack of focus at the end of the game? Not sure what you mean there, but uh, I was disturbed to see players posing for the cameras in the end zone. I was also bothered to see players posing on the field, which led in part uh, to having 12 players on the field. I thought to myself that Colorado is going to make a comeback because of the lack of focus. And sure enough, they started to come back. The only thing that SC had on their side was the clock, Steven. Okay, so the first thing, um, I, I didn't notice that 30-second timeouts were were longer. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that was happening on the field made that game longer and somewhat unwatchable at times. Uh, the Pac-12 had shortened for games on Pac-12 Network uh, halftime. So this weekend, USC plays Utah. I think it's only going to be a 15-minute halftime, so I think it'll be a shorter. Uh, you know, maybe I. You know, I don't know for sure. Maybe it was only Pac-12 um, out of conference games, but maybe it's this one too. So they, they've they've tried to do some things as far as late games go. That's the you know the the three billion dollar contract that the Pac-12 signed six years ago or whatever it was uh, that, you know, you're, it makes it so you're going to have a lot of late games. Now they say they try not to make any particular team have a lot, but I think Arizona's every game has been a night game. It's just, that's the nature of the beast when you're with the PAC 12 right now. So I don't think there's anything that's going to change as far as uh lack of focus, uh, I guess at the end of the game. Um, yeah. We talked about this on the live show a little bit on our YouTube and uh, Facebook live shows you know, taking a picture, uh, that was, it didn't lead to the 12 man on the field. It, it was the next play. I don't think that taking the picture is why they had, uh, that problem. It wasn't the same 12 people that were in the picture that were the 12 men on the field. Um, but yeah, no, there, there was, uh, certainly a comeback by Colorado, uh, in that game. I think, I think there's a lack of focus. It could be any time in the game. It's not just late in the games. I mean, you get 13 penalties, and that's a like 28% improvement over the week before. That's that's not that good. You know, USC is one of the worst penalized teams in the country, have a hard time sustaining drives, and penalties are a big uh reason why. So it's it's something I think that needs to be buttoned up a little bit. And that, you know, that's on the coaches to to try to fix that. But I wouldn't I wouldn't blame the the photo or anything for part of that reason. But it, I get what you're saying. It's just another one of those things that's like, hey, what's going on here? You're posing for a picture, and then you give up a couple of touchdowns. Um, but you know, I, I don't have a big issue with the photo aspect of it. Steve, last one, Steve in the Bay area question for the team. Uh, I'm going to take it myself, Steve, but sorry about that. I'm hoping you can clarify what is targeting and why it only seems to be called on defensive players. For example, in last night's win over Colorado, Chenault clearly lowered his helmet and initiated helmet to helmet contact with Palier, not Oteote. Should the refs have called targeting on Chenault? Was this another case of bad Pac-12 rest? Thanks for your thoughts, Steve, in the Bay Area. Um, you know, one thing I would recommend, if you go to John Wilner's uh, Hotline podcast, he covers the Pac-12 up at uh, for the San Jose Mercury News. He had Evan Moore on, the former Stanford wide receiver, who's kind of an advocate for this. He explains targeting really, really well in that episode. It was only from a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's 
from but gathering from what he was saying and from what I've read, it's not about intent, but intent is sort of implied because it has to be um I forget what the exact wording was, but it's like forcible contact, I believe it is. So I think in Chenault's case, he wasn't he was lowering his helmet, but he was it's more like a protecting yourself sort of thing. He wasn't trying to get for, force, forcible contact. And either was Palaye So it's just kind of like their helmets crashed into each other. So I don't think, I don't think that was targeting. Um, and I, it, there's no rule that says it can't be on the offensive player. I think we've seen a punter. Uh, I guess he was trying to tackle someone, get targeting. Um, but usually if you're the offensive player, you're not trying to force contact on the defensive player. And since that's part of the rule, I think that's where uh, it's harder for an offensive player to do it. But if, it, yeah, if an if a offensive player does that and he's like trucking into, I mean, maybe a defensive player is getting blocked and, and the offensive player just wants to truck into him and lowers his head and um, with intent. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Um, I'm no expert in, in the targeting, but that was a re- it was really well explained on Wilner's podcast, if you want to go uh, check that out. He does a great job with the, the whole Pac-12. Um, they don't do... No, we have our our Pac-12 podcast, the Podcast of Champions. And uh, we love doing that. I love doing that too. Uh, Wilner, you know, it, it, he's uh, he's great at what he does. And having uh, Evan Moore as a guest, I think really explained targeting uh, very well. So check that out. All right. Well, this is our uh, Utah preview show. I hope you enjoyed everything that we provided here on the show. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.